Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, and we are back for the Starting 502 Podcast. Presley Meyer, Nick Connor here with you. Uh, Nick, I don't know about you, but now that the season has ended, we're not doing post-game podcasts where we lost just one game after another and after another, and now we have daylight savings time and we have decent weather. It feels like just the whole mood around this city has changed a little bit. And so that's essentially that's why we want to get on a podcast. We didn't have really any big news or anything to talk about, um, but we just want to get on the pod and just I'm just kidding. Of course, everybody that's in the know, if you've been on social media, you know what we all know is that Kenny Payne, not officially, but the writing is on the on the wall that the coaching search has come to a head that Louisville and Kenny Payne have come to an agreement and we will more than likely this Friday March 18th in the 2022nd year of our Lord uh, have a new head men's basketball coach at the University of Louisville. Uh, Nick, let's bring you in. Initial reactions, just what, what's your first takeaway from from this whole thing? Any takes on the, on the coaching search and just what has transpired since the end of the season? We're back. I hope you enjoyed how bad Lowell basketball was this year because it's never going to happen again in the modern era. Kenny Payne is the new basketball coach. Recruiting is going to go bananas very, very quickly. I fully expect multiple guys to flip and or verbally commit to Louisville quickly in the next few months. I expect several grad transfers and or just high major transfers to come over to the Ville. I expect a massive change, and and I'll be the first to say, you had to do your due diligence. You had to talk to Scott Drew's camp. You had to maybe put some feelers out there to guys that we obviously thought were off the table, just because you have to, right? You have to do your due diligence. It's your one. It's your one opportunity, right? And if you get this right, look back at recent history. You know, minus the Chris Mack era. If you get this right, you don't need to hire another one for 15, 20 years. So you get it right the first time. You do your due diligence. Louisville did that. The search firm did that. Um, Her did that. Anything, anything that you can say about it? I mean, I mean, they got it done in nine days after, or ten days, I guess, at this point after Louisville finished their season. Uh, quick, effective, uh, efficient, 
got the right guy, got the guy that's going to bring everybody to the table, and I'm excited to turn the page. Louisville is back. What do you have to say to the people who, a lot of people have come out and essentially said that Louisville hiring a, a, a search firm was essentially a smokescreen. Uh, I've heard a lot of people here locally on uh, the radio, on TV, on um, message boards and, and social media have kind of voiced that they feel like Louisville kind of wasted its money by hiring a search firm if they're ultimately going to hire Kenny Payne before any of these big name coaches um, have come out of the, you know, have, have finished the tournament and be and been able to talk. The timing of it is a bit peculiar. What it, What is your response to that? Do you think that Louisville ultimately? Um, I, I think in this in this in this press conference when Kenny Payne is announced, I think that they'll come out and say that they did did their due diligence because that's what they're they, they're supposed to say. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this was a fully vetted uh, search coaching search? Uh, and and I guess why or why not? Yeah, I, I do think it was. Um, and if it wasn't, I will say right off the top, I think they did a really good job covering up that it wasn't. Um, for, from all accounts, uh, you know, public public perception wise, they did their due diligence. I mean, things were not made public very quickly. Obviously, sources here, sources there, people talking on Twitter. Obviously, in 2022, everybody has an opinion. Everybody thinks they know somebody or even if they don't, they take the liberty to say that they do. But I really, I really think Josh Hurd and company, I think the, the firm did their job. And again, we've talked about this before. Control the headline, right? Control the news cycle. If it is Friday, I think Friday makes sense. Again, it's only the second day of round one of the NCAA tournament. We are not waiting for a final four weekend. You are giving, I mean, honestly, let's talk about it. It's going to be the thing at halftime of those games in the first round. The announcer is going to bring it up. You know, Ian Eagle is going to be talking about it on the main CBS broadcast of whatever the, the one seed game is that day. I mean, it's going to be talked about in the news cycle that way. And so that's one way to spin it. And two, I think it took a little bit of time to get it done. And, and there was no reason at this point to wait any longer. We talked about the need to obviously not let, you know, not push Mike Pegues and company out the door before the season was over. And so you wait for that to be over, which they did. They waited about a week and a half for that to, you know, to officially be over regular season wise. But I also think there is an element here where they, they did their due diligence. They talked to who they needed to talk to. They put out feelers and what they got back was the guys that they thought were untouchable were in fact untouchable and, or those guys just didn't feel like right now was the time for them to have that conversation. And they felt like where we're at in the calendar, where we are looking ahead, trying to just change the page, change the script. It's, it's now or never. And if you're going to get Kenny Payne, you do it now. You don't wait. One thing that, that I'll add on to this as well like you said, it's just, it's, it's, it's been a good time. It just seems like it feels like it's the right time to, to make this move. Um, and I think that there kind of came a point in the search where you have your top tier coaches, most, most of them, which I called quote unquote, the untouchables, right. When we got into the beginning of this, this coaching search right after Chris Mack departed, because essentially if you really think about it, you know, they had the Russ Smith, I believe that was January 22nd, if, if, if I'm not mistaken. So January 22nd, you had the, the Russ Smith game, the meltdown in the second half against Notre Dame. Uh, then you had the Virginia game on Monday. The next day, Chris Mack quit. So it's been, been literally since like January 25th or 26th. So the search has been going on. It's been about six full weeks. And, and during that cycle, we've kind of gone through a bunch of names and it seems like there's this group of top tier names, guys who have been in, been there, done that. They've coached at the highest level and Louisville had to give it a shot with those coaches. And then I think that you have a next tier of coaches. The we'll, we'll call that like the Matt McMahon tier, the, the higher level coaches at the lower level programs uh, that could potentially be a good hire, but you'd really have to be sold on them. You'd really, really have to be sold really well on them. Um, and I think that that there were some of those. I don't. Uh, Matt McMahon is just a hot name right now, and that's why I mentioned him. But they um, uh, essentially are on a, a, a tier below them. I think that Kenny Payne is somewhere right in the middle. And I think that when, and again, this is just personal opinion, but I think when you looked at the quote unquote untouchables, the guys that. You might, you might give it a shot, the Bruce Pearls, um, Scott Drews of, of the world. You might give it a shot, 
you might have a conversation. You might talk to their agents. Ultimately, they're probably not going to say yes. I think that once Louisville had those conversations and then they had, there's probably conversations with guys like Nick Cronin or, or other guys that Louisville fans just are vehemently against. I think once they had those conversations and I, then there's probably a realization like, okay, maybe Kenny Payne is just that perfect middle ground. And given everything that's going on at the university, that ultimately that, that could be the best decision. I am the sort of guy and kind of transitioning here. I'm of the camp that I think that Kenny Payne could be a good hire, but I very much think that he's a safe hire. And the reason being there's obviously, and we'll, we're going to hear about this ad nauseum until Kenny Payne comes in and starts winning games or, or losing games. I don't know. Uh, but he, he, he's never coached a college basketball game as, as the head coach. And obviously that is the glaring weakness in all of this, right? He's never coached, coached a game as a head coach at the college level. And that's going to be the, the glaring weakness that everybody brings up. That, that's a detractor. But I, I think that the other thing that you have to bring up as well, um, you know, and we'll get into all the positives as well, because there are a lot of them. Trust me, there's a lot of great things about this hire. Um, but the one thing that is disturbing to me and the one thing that makes it hard to envision is that until it happens and until we see what's actually implemented and until we see um, how he has to coach his, his team out of trouble, until we see that actually unfold, we won't truly know um, how much this hire is, has meant culturally. Obviously, it's a big deal. Uh, Recruiting-wise, obviously, is a huge deal. Um, kind of mending the relationship between the, the Crum era and the Batino era and everything in between, uh, kind of bringing everybody together as a fan base, as boosters, as supporters of the program. I think this does a great job to kind of connect all of that. Uh, but, but, the, but the one glaring, glaring weakness is not only that Kenny Payne hasn't coached the game, but it's what kind of offense does Kenny Payne run? What, what is his defensive philosophy, right? Does Kenny Payne press? I'm sure people are going to want to know that. <laughs> you know, like, like what, what is it that he's going to throw out there on the floor? And Louisville fans, you know, for obvious reasons, made a big deal about, oh, well, Calipari just recruits all the NBA players and he just rolls the ball out. Like, that's been the, that's been the saying, right? He just rolls the ball out and they just, you know, play. They just don't have any designed offense, which obviously isn't true, but, you know, Louisville fans are, are going to say that. And, and now the assistant coach of the guy that you despise for doing something like that, he is now your head coach. We're going to have this interesting narrative of, you know, we'll see who the two the assistants are, and we can get into that here in a minute. But my main concern is, number one, what is that style of play going to look like? What is his philosophy going to be? Is it going to be different than Calipari? Are we going to see glimpses of what Calipari provided. We're going to see more NBA pro style, like spread out offense. Um, what, what is it exactly that we're going to see? And then, then the last thing is, you know, if you're Kenny Payne, you've never coached a college basketball game as a head coach in your life. Uh, and then you're thrown into the fire, say it's game 10 and you're playing in the ACC big 10 challenge. And all of a sudden you're coaching against Wisconsin and Greg guard. You're coaching against Tom Izzo and Michigan state. Or, you know, any number of you say you're coaching against Calipari, say you're coaching against Jim Beheim, right? Like, say there's one of these big names out there and it's a, you know, you're down two points and you have to get a stop and draw up a play to win the game. Like, those are the type of things that is that something that that a guy like Kenny Payne's going to draw draw up right away. Like, this is what he's waited his entire life for to get to this moment. Or is there going to be a struggle? Because, I mean, there's a reason why veteran coaches out coach younger coaches nine times out of 10. And so is it going to be a situation where he has that sort of experience that he can bring that to the table? Or is it going to be something where it's going to be a waiting game? Um, obviously there's a lot of pieces, a lot of components on this roster and we'll get into that down the road. You know, who we're getting rid of, uh, who we're retaining, who we're bringing in from the outside. Like there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle to have to fit together. Uh, what kind of expectations we should be setting. But ultimately I just want to know, you know, what he can bring to the table from, like, you know, we, we know that he has a lot of strengths as a big man coach, a personality coach, that sort of stuff. But what is he going to bring to the table as an X and, X's and O's guy and just being a, a, a clutch type of coach and, and being able to establish his name as a solid um, head coach and not just a solid recruiter and, and all those other things that he's built his reputation on? Yeah, I mean, 
I think this game has changed dramatically um, the past decade to, to maybe 10 to 15 years. This is so much more a player development and a recruiting at first game at this point. It, as you can see from the top teams, even in this year's tournament, how many of those teams have multiple players, multiple guards, and a big that are all NBA prospects, right? It, it's less about the system than it used to be. It's less about, you know, Bill Self out coaching you or Scott Drew out coaching you or Rick Patino out coaching you. And it's more about the dudes that they recruited flat out out playing you, right? If you talked about Cal and his offensive system, and I think what gets lost there a lot is Cal does give his guys a lot of freedom. And, and there are times when he reins it in, but he's very intentional on what he tries to run. And it's really simple. It's get the right mismatch and then attack it. And when, if you remember Cal's best teams, Cal's best teams had long, tall, athletic guards and a big or two bigs down low. And that's an absolute nightmare because you get it. You get the wrong switch and they scored on every single possession, right? How many times did the Harrison brothers get to the baseline, right? Think about how many times they would get one quick action, get to the baseline. And it was either a dunk for them an alley-oop for somebody else or an open three on the opposite side, right? That's, that is the Cal offense. And so, when he doesn't have superior athletes, or as we've seen more recently, when he doesn't have knockdown shooters, it doesn't work as well. And we've seen that enough here at Louisville recently. If you don't have shooters, you can say all you want about X's and O's, but at a certain point, you got to hit shots for the offense to work and for the offense to open up. But Cal just Cal tries to let his, his horses go. That's what it is, right? Get them in the right position and let them attack. And he's had guys who can do that. He has a team this year who has that, who has two elite guards, and an elite big is probably going to win player of the year, right? Like if that team gets hot in tournament, that's what you're going to see is, is that kind of offense. And so I think for me, I'm not as worried about what's Kenny Payne's offensive system. What's his defensive system. I'm far more concerned about who he puts on his bench. I'm far more concerned with who he is trying to keep on this current roster. I know we have, you know, some feel, feelers out there on who we think is probably going to stay versus maybe who's shown the door, quite frankly or maybe already put their own foot out the door and you know, who is he going to bring in right away? That's what I'm more concerned with. And then we can worry about X's and O's, but I, I think just in 2022 it, with the state of affairs, the state of the program, I I'm not that concerned with what he runs quite frankly, because I think if he gets the right guys in here, he will adjust. He obviously has done that in his career. He's been on different benches with very different schematic coaches and he's been successful. So if, if he d brings those things, brings the right guys in as assistants and gets talent in here, then I think, then I think we'll be just fine. Getting into the positives of this Kenny Pan hire, because I feel like there, there are a lot more positives than negatives. I think that when you look at what is on the horizon for Louisville, so many people are going to talk about just what he means for the, the, the culture of the program. And you've seen everybody from, Magic Johnson to John Calipari and Nick I know you have some some quotes that stood out to you uh, from the John Calipari press conference but I mean I, I even see Rex Chapman on on Twitter and you know he's obviously I wouldn't say controversial figure but I mean he's he's obviously gonna gonna side with UK Kenny Payne to Louisville makes me happy known him since we were 16 or 17 one of the best guys ever good people gravitate towards Kenny Payne which I can attest to that um, he won the title at, for the Ville as a player the perfect hire and John Calipari essentially said the same thing. And I mean, look, when you have a guy who transcends the rivalry, when you have guys extending their hands across the aisle and saying, yeah, we hate you. Yeah, we want to beat the crap out of you. And we're still going to try to this December and every December going forward. Uh, but I mean, look, you got to respect the head coach that you guys just hired. Nobody said that about Chris Mack. People said Chris Mack was the right hire, but nobody said he was the perfect hire. And Granted, I wouldn't call Kenny Payne the perfect hire. I think when you're a, a school like Louisville, I don't, I don't think that that John Shire is a perfect hire for Duke. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think that uh, that Hubert Davis is the perfect hire for UNC. I don't think that any of these, you know, Penny Hardaway, like they are decent hires given their reputation with the school and given their, you know, their fit and their their experience and what they can bring to the table. But I don't think they're the perfect hire, not by any means. With that being said, though, a friend of the show, Jeff Goodman, uh, came out and, and, and said uh, he drew a lot of controversy. 
he he posted one tweet and he came out an hour later and said that he never considered a little the fan base to be hostile but they were already in his top 10 just based on his mentions but he he essentially said that that kenny payne was not a last resort hire but that he was the best that louisville could do and instead of saying like most people are wording it as like a great fit or a good hire or whatever the best that Louisville could do is I, I, I can see why people took that as a slight because nobody said that John Shire is the best that Louisville could do. But I mean, when you look at John Shire, like, like I look at Nolan Smith, who, who many believe is, is, is almost a lock to be on this, on this new Louisville coaching staff. I don't, I don't see why Nolan Smith has any less credentials than John Shire. Like, and, and, and maybe I can take a look at it at his, resume and say oh well x y and z is why he's slightly better but like i I think that john shire is walking into a really difficult situation i mean and and the same with hubert davis i mean i know hubert davis worked in the media and he became kind of a a known commodity around the college basketball community but it's not like he was just out there like he was on the north carolina sidelines for a bit but it's not like he was out there you know as one of the like hot up-and-coming names Kenny Payne is that. And, and so I think that that's kind of the difference. Nobody was saying what Goodman said about North Carolina, Duke, Memphis, uh, Michigan, some of these programs that have been hiring former players. I'm not sure why it is to be said about Louisville because Kenny Payne does have your, have a reputation as an, as a really high level assistant coach that a lot of big name programs have, have wanted to hire and he turned them down. Um, so you know, do, are there any comments? I don't know if you're pulling up the Goodman tweet or not. Any any kind of comments on that? And then kind of comments on the Calipari quotes as well. Yeah, since Jeff is our friend, I'll go ahead and, and quote quote him. He said, Lowell can't haul in a big name. And this was ultimately where it was heading all along. Former players won it, and Lowell interim AD can't justify hiring a mid-major head coach over beloved former player in Kenny Payne. I take that much... I take that to mean he can't hire Matt McMahon from Murray State. That's that's how I read that tweet. Right. Um, I think we're we're just now at a point where people are criticizing Coach K. We've seen some things down the stretch here, like the way he treated you know Hubert and his assistants in that handshake line. Um, the way that apparently behind closed doors they complained because North Carolina didn't honor him when they visited Chapel Hill. Um, the way that he's really, he keeps saying like, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me, but that's always his response to every question he's asked in pressers. When the players are asked questions though, he always says, let me talk. A hundred percent. I love yes. that. He, won't, he won't let his players go to bat, but he will go to bat saying it's not about him. It's it's you're, you're not wrong. I think the thing for me is what I'm trying to say here is Roy Williams and coach K don't get criticism and they haven't historically. And so when both of them very, you know, conveniently, quite frankly, decided themselves this is who my you know this is who's coming after me this is who's who's next they i get to decide i'm a hall of fame coach what are you gonna do tell me no on my way out the door this is who's next and i think that's just taken as you know as a golden hire and i you know who knows who duke could have come up with who knows who carolina could have come up with with a national search i mean honestly i think if if you want to go crazy down the lane of like a brad stevens that's probably a spot he might come back for, right? Like, or like a Billy Donovan, that might be a spot he comes back for. Like Duke might be like on his very short list of, you know, I would take similar money and and do a much harder job, you know, but I just don't think they get criticism and I don't think it's necessarily fair. I mean, you know, they're hall of fame coaches who are their programs um, are their blue bloods. And that's saying a lot, obviously, because those blue bloods have traditions past that obviously as well, but I just think they don't get criticized. And so I don't, I don't think that's, that is the way that this was going to go. But also Kenny Payne hasn't taken the normal route of a guy that looks like he wants to be the head coach of his alma mater. Let's just say it as it is, right? He's the assistant, longtime assistant of the rival, right? He, he won a national title at Louisville and then is a longtime assistant at Kentucky. Sure. Red flag for some fans. And then he, you know, bounce. He's got that experience at Oregon. Obviously he's not, he's currently on the New York Knicks as we speak. Like that's not, you know, your ideal, like bopping, you know, spot to spot to be the, the head coach of your alma mater. And, and I understand that path. And I've been hesitant with that as well, but that doesn't mean his connections have ever stopped. That doesn't mean his ability to recruit has ever stopped. That doesn't mean, you know, the relationships he's built in the industry with players, with guys that he can now bring in as assistants ever stop. And that's what you got. That's what you got to realize here. And, and I think you're right with like the John Shires of the world. 
John's a very young, he's going to be a very young head coach here whenever Duke is done here in the NCAA tournament and they turn the page. And what connections does he have outside the Coach K tree? I, I don't know, right? Like, I'm with you. Like, if it goes downhill quickly for him, they might get him out of town. Like, it, it might be like a three-year stint for him. Or even if he gets a few years in successfully, like what's going to happen when, like you said, like the tree is gone or like the immediate connections are gone. So I, I'm not worried about Kenny Payne in that way. I think it's really easy for, you know, the media, quote unquote, to go after Louisville and continue to do that. It's just kind of we've been the punching bag for a while now. And and I'm not going to, you know, cry foul or complain or cry about it, but that just is what it is. And and I think that's what's happening here. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I think our buddy Jeff didn't realize uh, the kind of fire he was was starting there yesterday with those comments. It is interesting. North Carolina and Duke, you know, it's always about like Kentucky has La Familia, right? And so the joke has been among Kentucky fans like Louisville, welcome to La Familia. If you look at the the Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski coaching trees, it's very interesting that there's not a lot of big names that have come out, especially the Coach K coaching tree, right? Like he was at Duke for 42 years, uh, obviously considered probably the best college basketball coach of all time. Uh, he was under Bob Knight's tutelage. So that's kind of who he learned under. He played for him in Army, then took over as, as the Army head coach for a few seasons. Uh, but here are the biggest names that came from the Mike Krzyzewski, Krzyzewski coaching tree uh, since before our parents were, were children. Uh, Chris Collins, do you even know who that is? I have no clue. Yeah, he, so he was the Northwestern head coach. Uh, sure. Tommy, Tommy Amaker, you know who that is? Nope. He was the Harvard head coach. Steve Waj, you know who that is, from Marquette. I do so, know who is no longer employed. Exactly. Uh, Jeff Capel. Who is about Pittsburgh. to no longer be employed. Exactly. Uh, Mike Bray. So that's the big one that everybody hangs their hat on. Mike Bray, is, it, he is a great head coach. Mike, and everybody will tell you Mike Bray is a great, great head coach. And then you have uh, just, Johnny, he, Johnny I Dawkins. Wanna say this, is, is I want to say this publicly. Johnny Dawkins. Yeah, that's another one. Add that to the list. Uh, Mike Bray would have killed it at Louisville. I just want to say that just to be yep, done with that. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and then, okay, let's go to Roy Williams. There's really only three big names that have come out of the Roy Williams quote unquote coaching tree. Um, Mark Turgeon is the big one. Just got fired at Maryland. Uh, Jared Haas, who was at Stanford and then CB McGrath at UNC Williamson. And the reason I bring this up, um, if Rick Bettina was still to be here and he was to nominate somebody from his coaching tree, I think he, among anyone else, and I think this is a mark of a really solid coach, would would have the best. He would be able to choose from the best group to to nominate a player. So he, he obviously has his son Richard Bettino, uh, who was at Minnesota. Now he's at Arizona State. Uh, Steve Masiello, who's been killing it in Manhattan for is he at Arizona State? I'm pretty sure he's at New Mexico State. Is he? No, no, no. Oh, Mexico. New Mexico State. I'm so sorry. He's, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the, they're in the yes. tournament. No, they're in yeah. the tournament. I, I apologize. I got my uh, Southwestern states confused. Uh, D'Angelo Vickers would be very disappointed in me. Um, <laughs> if you watch The Office, you'll get that. If not, sorry. Uh, Tubby Smith, uh, who obviously coached at Kentucky. He's now at High Point, but very highly respected coach. Uh, Kevin Willard at Seton Hall was rumored to kind of be uh, trying to put his name in, in, in that hat. Um and then, you, you know, you go down the list. I mean, you have the Kevin Keats of the world, who obviously their team has been terrible lately. But um, Kadeem Richardson, I mean, and again, all these guys are were most of these guys played under Patino at U of L. Uh, and, and then um, you have Her, you had Herb Sandick, who produced Sean Miller. Uh, you know, I mean, th- th- there's just there, there, there are so many names who have come from that coaching tree it is the point that I'm trying to make. It's just interesting. Um, how that narrative has changed a little bit just at Louisville uh, since, since Rick Bettina was left and how the narrative could have changed if Rick Bettina was kind of on his way out and he was starting to, to, to take somebody under his wing to be the next guy. Cause that seems like it's the thing to do right now. Right. While the national media applauds the hiring of, of, of the, the guys who were taking over after Kay and Williams and I'm sure it'll be the same way at Kansas in 10 years. And I'm sure it's going to be the same way at Syracuse in the next couple of years. Uh, while, while the national media is going to drool over some of these names like Penny Hardaway at Memphis, Jawan Howard at Michigan, while people are going to be excited about that, 
it could be Kenny Payne that is sneakily the best former former player to come back and coach at his alma mater. Obviously, Chris Beard is going to have something to say about that at Texas, but we're talking, you know, strictly hadn't been a head coach before, essentially just hired um, because of his connections with the university. One other thing that, that I would want to get into as well uh, is, just, is just that, is just the connections. And we're already seeing tonight, um, I believe Butch Beard came out with some comments. He had an interview um, with a local reporter. I believe it was Tyler Griever. I'm going to try to pull this up here if my computer. I, I literally am looking at it right now as you're talking, so I can confirm. Do you have any quotes from Tyler Griever that stands out? It says it was because after what I had seen, what was going on at the university, I'd like to have seen one of us, a Cardinal come back to the program and see if they could start to bring it back to life and have some integrity. Sounds like my dad, my dad's been all about getting integrity back in the program. I agree with that. I mean, I agree with what, what Butch Beard, what Butch Beard is saying there, because if you look back into the Denny crumb era, if there's one thing that you could say about Louisville, it's that it felt like they really did things the right way. It felt like that it was really a program that people looked up to, and it felt like Denny Crum was a man of great integrity, and he still is greatly respected to this day. I don't know if there's any other university, and I'm sure there is. I mean, I know Roy Williams has been notably coming back to a lot of UNC games. Like, I know that that there's coaches out there that do this kind of stuff, but Denny Crum has been right there front and center for the best seasons and the worst seasons over the last 20 years. And regardless of, of the way, and his wife, Susan Sweeney Crum, has been very vocal about the way that he was forced out of the university. And look, I don't, I don't blame him. Uh, he was under the same athletic directors and, 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 and people, you know, working alongside the same people that entire time that during his tenure at U, U of L. And all of a sudden, Tom Jurich comes in. He brings in Rick Bettino, kind of essentially says, you know, Denny Crum. You know, we're going to put, you know, we're, we're going to need to part ways. Let's have one last season, essentially, and kind of just kind of pushed him out the door, essentially. Right. He has kind of stayed the course and he's been kind of the one. I'm not going to say he's been the one positive light, but you know what I mean? Like if he's he's a, a wholesome moment eating his ice cream cone during the second half at every level basketball game. And it is fascinating to me to kind of look back at those times under Denny Crum and then look at what the Patino era brought. While it brought success on the court, the negative negative attention that it brought off the court as former players who played under Crum who felt disrespected by Patino and everybody surrounding the Patino group, right? Like he was, you know, he was kind of like, you know, everybody talks about jokes about Bettino and Calipari having that mobster mentality, but they have this like this aura about them that they're just a little bit better than everybody else, that they just do things a little bit differently and they don't associate with those people. And Rick Bettino came in and he in Louisville was his like it was supposed to be his last spot. This is where he was going to retire. This is where he's going to going to you know have his last ride, get those national championships, final fours, all of that stuff, help guide Louisville from Conference USA to the Big East to the ACC. All of that stuff, right? But everybody that was left behind in its wake felt extremely disrespected. They felt like Denny Crum wasn't treated the right way. And it's probably really hard to watch while your program is having success on the court. It's probably really hard to watch off the court all of the things that you'd worked so hard to build to all of a sudden see the Rick Pitino sex scandals and to see the, the stripper scandals and the FBI scandals and, and everything that came along with that. And now you're left in this rubble and you have to them, they're seeing, you know, Kenny Payne back in 2017 could have been that guy to kind of give the university a better image. But it's really difficult when Kenny Payne is number one, has never been a head coach. And you got Rick Pitino, one of the greatest coaches of all time, you know, departing. It's really hard to say that Kenny Payne's the best option. Right. And it's really hard to say that Kenny Payne's the best option when he's sitting on Kentucky's bench. That's really difficult especially when your last coach already came from Kentucky. That's a difficult thing to say. So back then it was a lot more difficult to justify. Nobody wanted to take a step back and look at the program and say, oh, well, you know, Bettino guided us through three, you know, we had three major scandals under Bettino or, you know, this, that, and the other, you know, that he wasn't, 
you know, he didn't treat the the former players the right way, or he wasn't accepting of the, of the crumb era players or, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, secluded them or, or what, whatever it was that, that he did. When you look, when you look back at all that, yeah, it, it does make sense. But when Louisville was winning, when Rick Bettino was, you know, that, especially that stretch from 2012 to 2015, when he consistently had the best teams in the country, when you have that, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to overlook a lot of the stuff that happened under Bettino. But then when Matt comes in and you see that maybe he's trying to do things the right way, but things are just not going his way. Like he just wasn't culturally the right fit. When you see that happening, then it seems like it's, it's much easier to take a step back and be like, all right, Denny Crum was doing things the right way and winning. Rick Bettino wasn't doing things the right way. And when he won, it was great. But when he lost it, it sucked. And he left in his wake some just some terrible, terrible consequences. And Chris Mack was ultimately unable to clean that up, right? So now it just feels like now is, is the perfect timing. And yes, I know that Rick Bozich and Rick, Rick Bozich and a lot of these other guys are going to come out and say, okay, well, it should have been Kenny Payne four years ago, five years ago, whatever. The optics and the timing just simply were not right back then. And now it just feels like there's never been a better time depending on what, what happens in, in this offseason to kind of close this up a little bit, depending on what happens with the IARP and the NCAA and everything else really is going to, that's really going to tell us what the trajectory is going to be like. Is 2022, 23 going to be a year where Louisville can compete and get into the NCAA tournament and kind of develop a culture under Kenny Payne, or is it going to be a rebuild? You know, I've always thought, I always thought that going into the season that it would be, if Chris Mack was fired, which people were calling for his head after last season, if Chris Mack was fired, it's, it was going to be maybe a decade rebuild because at the time we were looking at probably a two-year postseason ban. We were looking at recruiting sanctions. We were looking at a lot of stuff. And stuff, is, stuff changed this year. You know, Chris Mack made us see that, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily the coach but the program that, that ultimately um, leads to success. And, you know, you're getting into the John Calipari quotes. And I, and I like that. I li- I've always liked what John Calipari has said specifically about the program is so much more than a coach at, at Kentucky. You know, they have eight national championships. Well, he wasn't there for seven of those, you know, so it's not him. He's not the reason they win national championships. He's just a conduit to do so. And so can Kenny Payne be that guy? Can he be the guy that, that acts to be a conduit between the, the life and the energy and everything that, that, that the city and this culture brings and the winning tradition. And, and, and can he be the guy who just kind of is ultimately able to convince everybody that, that Louisville is that program and then just get the heck out of the way and, and winning starts happening or, or is it, or is there a little bit more to it? And ultimately I think that's kind of my takeaway is, is what, what exactly that looks like. Yeah, and I think the only person you need to look to for feedback on that is your rival. I mean, that's what exactly what John Calipari said today. I mean, he said, you know, this is a program that is one of, and he like put his hands up and did the quotes, like the programs. And right, do, right. he said, do you want my backup? Here's my backup. They've won multiple national titles under multiple head coaches. That's all you need to know. And like you just said, like if he flips that on himself, he's only won one of the eight at Kentucky. So uh, he's, he's not Kentucky, just like you said. And I think this is an opportunity for a guy like Kenny Payne to be more of a GM kind of role here. Obviously, yes, he's making the decisions. He's going to call the timeouts. He's going to get the whiteboard out, all those things. But be a GM in that. Let hire guys who are successful. Let them do their job. Get the right guys in there. And then just make the thing work, like you said. And I think that's what's going to happen. Again, I, I think Calipari's words were, were high praise. I'm of the personal belief that he wasn't blowing smoke. Um, I, I truly believe what he said about Kenny Payne. Obviously, they are friends. Obviously, worked together for a long time. Knows a lot about, know a lot about each other. But I, I don't think he says those things if he doesn't mean it, quite frankly. I know he, he did take some digs at Chris Mack, you know, and, and like you said, mentioned that they should have hired him four years ago. And again, like you said, was not the right timing, was not the right optics. We can all say that now but it wasn't. And so I, I, I'm going to take what he says seriously. And he thinks Kenny's going to be the right guy. And I think he is. And like you said, I think it comes down to Louisville is a job at this point that has so much potential to get back to the top still has IARP, as you mentioned, 
still has some NCAA other, you know, just NCAA reputation cloud hanging over top. But again, is is ready to go, is primed to get back to where they are very, very quickly. And if you get a guy who knows how to handle that, then it's going to work. And that's what we've talked about for a long time at this point. Yes, Chris Mack was not that guy. There were a lot of factors. I don't think this was ever a one man is the solution kind of coaching search. Maybe Kenny Payne was the guy from the beginning. That makes sense. They did their due diligence. They ended on him, but he is not the only thing that's going to make this work. Louisville's ready to go, but Kenny Payne is the guy. So let's see it, right? Let's plug it and play. Let's see what happens. Let's see that recruiting. Let's see that relationship building. Let's see that player development. Let's see it all happen. Let's see him fill out a ridiculous list of assistant coaches. Let's see him continue to bring in alum and former players to the table. Let's see him bring in money to the university. Let's see it all. I'm ready to see it. And, and I think you feel the same way as well. And I think that a lot of Cardinal fans feel, feel this way. I've had this insistence that Louisville do things the right way with this coaching search. You can't expect the program to do the things the right way if when you choose the leader of the program, you don't do things the right way. They didn't do things the right way with Chris Mack. They just didn't. Um, it, and it was going to be the same way with the football program. It was kind of baked in that it was Jeff Brum until it wasn't right. And it was very much baked in that it was Chris Mack. And even to this day, there are plenty of college basketball guys out there that, that will argue that Chris Mack was the right high. And he, he was the right eye, right? Like he made, he made the most sense then, right? From this day forward, I think that you and I are totally cool with accepting that Louisville, we're going to accept that they did their due diligence, that Kenny Payne's the guy, and we're going to go forward with that. So with that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this 2023 class. It's already, you know, I'm not going to say it's set in stone, but there's been a lot of talk that there are two guys specifically that if Kenny Payne was hired, that most people in the know felt would be a part of this program in some way. Uh, we already have Reese Gaines as the uh, he's either the director of player personnel or you know one of those one of those jobs where he's a a player development guy, right? And I think that Reese Gaines would I would hope that he remains in the fold. He was a Denny guy, he was a Rick Patino guy, uh, and ultimately he's able to bridge that gap and just be kind of the perfect uh, kind kind of the perfect middleman. And he, he's a guy that's kind of made for the job. So I, I love that Reese Gaines is here. I hope that he remains here. He was on the Bellerman staff for a while. Just seems like a good fit. Um, un, but one of the guys that stands out, we'll get to the other guy here in a second, but the one, one guy that stands out uh, is Milt Wagner. Um, obviously a Louisville great uh, before our time, Nick, but definitely, you know, acknowledged as, as one of the better players in a little basketball history. Obviously there was a little bit of a falling out when his son, uh, ultimately went to to Memphis and played for Calipari. Uh, it, and it was all kind of predicated on um, on you know the the movements of Milt Wagner and, and everything that went along with that. Uh, but now his grandson comes along and DJ Wagner would have been the number one player in the 2022 class and he is hands down the number one player. Um, in, in the 2023 class, he has a perfect rating according to 247 Sports. He is considered the number one player in the country by every recruiting uh, metric. And he has a perfect one, 1. 1.00000 best player in the country. A lot of people think that he could ultimately go to that to the new professional leagues. You know, what, what, one of those leagues that's popping up where he could you could immediately make money without having to do nil stuff or any of that sort of stuff. But listen we can't not acknowledge that the, that the hiring of Milt Wagner in some sort of facet, if that does come to fruition is not to at least try to persuade DJ Wagner to come. Additionally, DJ Wagner at Camden um, where he plays right now in high school, he has a teammate, Aaron Bradshaw, who's a seven foot center. Uh, he is also a five-star player. Number one, tw- the number 21 player in the country in that class. Uh, It'll be interesting to see because Milt Wagner has a heavy hand uh, and a lot that goes on there. Um, and, and, and just looking down the list, it seems like Louisville, there's there, just in the 2023 class, there's a lot of players that are ripe for the pickings. Uh, I know that Mikey Williams is obviously a big name. That's probably going to end up in that overtime league or, or one of those other leagues. Um, he's been out there for years and years as a guy that's 
a perfect example of a guy who's probably just going to go straight to the pros if, if he can. But there's other names out there. You know, does Louisville get back in the, in the mix with Reed Shepard, um, who's a commit to UK? He's a legacy recruit, but Louisville was, you know, Chris Mack was interested at, at least. Uh, Jared McCain is a guy that Louisville has, has tried to be in on for quite a while. Uh, and there's there are a number of names as well that, that are going to resurface. Obviously, LeBron James's son is is a part of this class. He's a top 35 player. Uh, and as as you go down the list, Dusty Stromer's a guy that that Mac and the, their staff was very involved with. Uh, so a, as you go down the list, there are a number of names that are already surfacing that could be a part of this class or a, a part of this uh, coaching staff that could come in right away and bring in the best class in the country in 2023. So essentially we would play one season with a hastily assembled roster, if you will, Uh, a lot of transfer portal guys that are going to come open here in the next month or so. Um, And then, then you're looking at 2023 as, as being Louisville's potentially best football and basketball classes of all time. That's a very, very real possibility. And that's exciting because you're looking at 2016 to 2021 has been really, really crappy for for the you know after Lamar's Heisman season essentially it's really kind of sucked. Uh, you know, football has been losing as much as it won. Basketball has had two of its worst seasons ever. Uh, have only been the essentially one NCAA tournament and one zero game since Rick Pitino's departure. That's depressing. So to say that Louisville all of a sudden might have you know, and I said we're a long way away from this, but to say that that they could have you know, the number one class in the country or a top five type of class is absolutely realistic with some of the names that we're hearing. So obviously Milt Wagner, uh, kind of a basketball ops type of guy, he's kind of getting up there in age as well. So I, I don't, I wouldn't see him as, as a guy necessarily who would be a coach, but, but the one guy that we keep hearing over and over again is Nolan Smith. Uh, he obviously played for coach K at Duke, but he has the very strong connection of, growing up in Louisville and being the son of Louisville great Derek Smith, who uh, rest in peace has been gone for about 20 years now. Uh, But Nolan grew up in Louisville. Um, He moved alongside his dad and ultimately was a huge recruit for Rick Pitino back in the day. Uh, Ultimately decided that he, it was too much to follow in, in his father's, his late father's footsteps who at the time had passed away, you know, not too many years before he ultimately made his college decision. Uh, Nolan, as many people know, went on to win a national championship under Coach K, and it's just a, a perfect transition for him uh, to, to make the move to, to Louisville. I th- I'm not going to say that it's a guarantee, but it almost feels like like the Chris Mack thing, like it's already like a pre-baked in um, decision that Nolan Smith would join this staff. Is that something that you agree with? And additionally, outside of Nolan Smith, who are some other names that you're looking at um, and does anybody stand out on the, off the top of your head as guys that could ultimately join this staff? I think, um, more than just specific names, I'll start with Nolan. I, I do think, I do think Nolan comes. I think it makes too much sense. I think there has been enough of the com- conversation happening that it seems to be some truth there that just, it makes too much sense. And I think there have been conversations maybe behind closed doors about the potential of that happening. If, if KP officially came here. And so I wouldn't be shocked to see that. Obviously, that's going to take some time. Um, Duke may may take a deep run in the NCAA tournament. We'll see. And he might stay just a little bit longer to make sure John's got the right guy behind him. Um, but I think overall, I think I'm just I'm looking more philosophy and less about specific guys. I'm just inter- interested to see is he looking for player developer like guys that are you know have bounced around as a player developer, or is he looking at long term assistance, or is it more about bringing the Louisville guys home, bringing the Louisville connection guys home? And, and is that something that maybe is the priority for like three to four years? And then maybe that that transitions as well, right? Just trying to develop a new culture that's Louisville centric and, and and brings the old folks back. And if that if that works, maybe you eventually, like you said, I know Milt's getting up there in age. Maybe that's something you bring in for a couple of years. And then, you you know, you transition somebody else. And I, I don't know. I think philosophy wise is just where I'm at with KP. I'm just trying to figure out what what is his goal here with assembling a staff? Um, is it, is it to, to keep a guy like uh, CC on, on the bench, you know, Christian Cunningham, who obviously is, is a Patino tie over um, who also knows, you know, the transit, uh, not the transition of, 
uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Who, who knows the difference between high level level basketball and, and not as, right, not as good right. level basketball. He knows what, what the I'm expectations. Yeah, 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 exactly. He knows where we've been and where we should be, I guess you could say. Um, but I, I'm just interested to see, to see what his philosophy is, how he assembles the staff and, and what connections he uses, I guess. Absolutely. And I, I think that's something, you know, to look forward to. We've heard a lot of names thrown out there. The one that really just sticks out to me, though, is Nolan. Um, our our buddy Alan has kind of been all over this from the beginning. Alan Thomas is, you know, there, there have been a few guys who've been kind of plugged in. And Alan has been more on top of the relationship with Nolan Smith because this is a guy who he grew up, um, you know, kind of watching his father and and knowing what he means to this university or what he meant to this university and what what it would ultimately mean to him if he knew that that Nolan was was an assistant on this staff, you know, 20 years after he passed. Um, and, and so I, I think that's a big deal. And I think that it's a perfect time for him to come home. I just think it makes, like you said, way too much sense. There's a lot of names being thrown out there as potential assistants. I don't know how much truth there is to all of that. One thing that I've noticed is, is, you know, as you kind of indicated names that are thrown out by people in the know, they're not just thrown out because, because, you know, they they just think that they'd be a good fit. It's because of, of stuff that they're hearing. So there's a little bit of truth to every rumor, right? There's just like, you know, the old saying, like there's a little bit of, of truth to every joke, right? Like there's the reason that stuff hits home is because there could be a little bit of truth to that. And so there's been some, there's been some names thrown out there of guys who, you know, are former head coaches and that sort of stuff. But one thing that stands out to me and we can kind of end on this is just that, you know, Kenny Payne, obviously, very notably, will be the first African-American head coach in a little basketball history. That cannot be something that goes overlooked. I mean, I, unless you're counting Mike Begees, but the, the, the first true genuinely hired into this position uh, head coach, right? And all the assistant names that are being thrown out, almost all of them are, are African-American coaches. And so it would be very fascinating to me uh, after Louisville didn't have a, a white or excuse me, only had white head coaches up until 2022 to have an all black head head coach or an all black coaching staff and maybe have two, three, four of those guys be former Louisville players. To me, that would be extremely fascinating because of the meaning behind the, the history of Louisville basketball. I think you talk about a Purvis Ellison and, and, and a, a, a Butch Beard. And a few of these guys who in, in the you know 60s, 70s, that, that era of transitioning and integration in, in, in southern states and southern schools. Uh, Louisville isn't necessarily a southern school, but really one of the first schools in, in this area to, to integrate. And that's, that's a huge deal. Uh, that was a huge deal to those players, and it's a huge deal now. And not that it's the end-all, be-all, but it, 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 to them it felt like they never really got a shot after they stuck their necks out after they made the sacrifices and took the chance to be the players that ultimately integrated, because I mean, you know, that wasn't easy. You know, that, you know, if, if Louisville traveled to, you know, and I don't want to call it a specific school out, like if Louisville traveled to South Carolina, to Alabama, to Texas, right and they have African-American players on their team, they're playing against all white teams. Those weren't easy trips, right? And there's a lot that goes into that. And those players are the players that made Louisville what it is today. They began the reputation of Louisville basketball being what it is now 50, 60 years later. And so to see that that happened and then what they deemed to be qualified black potential black head coaches not get a shot. That's got to feel like a slap in the face. And I can totally understand where they're coming from. And to see Louisville transition potentially to an all black head coaching staff. And, you know, they could hire in any number of guys that, that, that aren't black. It's just, just something that I'm throwing out there is something that, 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 that there's potential for that. I think there's a lot of meaning behind that. 
Uh, and, and especially given the, the day and age that we're in with, with all the social justice movements and everything else that that's been going on. I think that sends a, a big, big signal to the ACC and to, to the rest of the country that, you know, Louisville, you know, takes is taking this seriously and it, it sends a big message to recruits. I would say 85, 90% of players who've gone through UofL in the last 30 years have been black players. Right. So that's, that's a big message to send. You know, when you have coaches coming to visit you at your school, when you're coming in for a recruiting visit, the co- the people who are going to be teaching you, the people that you're looking up to, they, you know, they look like you, they, they, they are somebody to aspire to be like, I think that's such an important thing. That's it's not the end all be all, but I think it's, I, I do think it's important. It's not something that, that can be overlooked. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a very, very fair thing to, to bring forward. And I think it, it needs to be talked about. Um, I think like what you said, not only is it these guys being uh, such a monumental part of the university's history as far as integration, but like you said, these are the players that won a bunch of basketball games too. And so it, it just, it lines up perfectly for that. And like you said, how many opportunities have um, have not come open for these men before who are overqualified for positions like this because of the color of their skin and because of racial divides in universities, even in 2022. Um, and so I think that definitely is, is worth bringing up and, and speaking to. And, and like you said, like what message is it sending um, not only to players, what message is it sending to kids in Kentucky um, and, and kids elsewhere, right? What, what, what message is that showing them? Um, how often are we continuing? Um, I'll get on my educator platform here for just a second to not put voices and uh, authors and content creators in front of these children that look like them and have similar experiences, right? And like, so any chance that Louisville has to do that and anybody has to do that, quite frankly, that is in power, they should be taking that opportunity. And so I agree wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly with what you said. I think it's a great opportunity for the university to really lean into that. And again, there, there is no there is no right way to necessarily do this. Um, there's definitely a wrong way, and we've seen it historically in our country, and we've seen it historically um, and even at the university, right? Um, but leaning into it, um, being happy with where this is going, all of those things I'm absolutely in full support of. Yeah, and it, there will be people who are critics of that. There will be, be, be people who think, oh, well, you know, you just hired him because he's black or, you know, this, that, or the other. It's not the case, and I, I don't think that's what either either one of us mean. But mm. it is the truth that that people are passed up, that they don't get opportunities because of the color of their skin, even now. And if you mm. don't believe that, look at Louisville's football coach Charlie Strong. Just ten years ago, uh, right. he was forty four before he got his first. Uh, I mean, Louisville went on to become a Power Five job, but before he even got his first Division One head coaching opportunity, right? Uh, he and th- it is a well-known fact i can 100 guarantee you that he was passed up for less qualified candidates because he was a black man with a white wife that was overlooked by job after job after job even though he was one of the most qualified candidates and what did he do he came in and became one of the most successful uh, head coaches in global football history uh, and and he did it in such a short amount of time that's just one example and right here at our own university. Uh, and that, that's the opportunity that, that Kenny Payne could have as well. Uh, it's not to say that that's the end all be all, but to say that it doesn't have an influence either uh, would just be naive. Uh, and then the, the last thing that I'll say to kind of finish this off here is the, the Kenny Payne fit is finally, finally for me, at least is it, it, so important because we have to look at the fact that number one, Louisville doesn't have any money. And I, you know, I, I will get into my rants about Louisville not having money. Number two, Louisville doesn't have a president. Louisville doesn't have an athletic director. There is no leadership in th- this hire is happening bass backwards, right? And it's difficult to convince any other candidate out there that this is the job for them. Like if you're going after a Scott Drew, what do you say? Oh, well, you know, we might have a two-year postseason ban. Yeah, you might be limited to seven or eight scholarship. But, you know, you really don't know because the incident, the NCAA is so unpredictable and takes their time, right? You might have that stuff. And, oh, by the way, you don't have a boss. And you don't have – your boss doesn't have a boss. Like, yeah, maybe those guys were interested. But 
there is definitely something to be said about Louisville still has to make some very important hires. And Kenny Payne is the only guy out there who fits the bill, who would be the per- who'd be the right kind of fit that Louisville's looking for, that also knows what the university is about, that will have people that have his back, that will have the support, even though he doesn't have a, an acting, a, a, you know, a permanent president or a permanent athletic director or any, any number of, of supporting staff that, that are going to come along with those people who were hired. This is unprecedented. This has been an unprecedented precedented coaching search. There's been an unprecedented season with, with Louisville having probably its worst season in the last 50 or 60 years. It's just, it's, it's been just a crazy unpredictable time. Um, and so ultimately my last comment tonight, and I'll leave you with this is just that, that this is the perfect fit for Louisville because of all of the extenuating circumstances. And this is the only guy who's going to stick through it who's going to stick it out, who's going to see Louisville through the rocky times that are still sure to ensue uh, within this program, uh, the difficult decisions that will need to be made behind closed doors and everything else. Um, we have, you know, it, it's Wednesday night at 1030. We still have people out there saying, you know, Kenny Payne's not a done deal. There's still negotiations. I didn't know this until we started recording, but Kenny Payne doesn't have an agent. So there's a lot of stuff that, that comes along. Uh, with this hiring process that still needs to be done. Uh, we're still yet to see what co- what players he's going to want to want to retain, what players he's going to want to get rid of. We've still yet to see what coaches that he's going to bring in. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts and pieces. But Nick, uh, that's for another night for right now, um, unless something crazy happens, some act of God or something happens. It appears that Louisville does have its next head basketball coach. And for that, we can be excited. We can celebrate. Uh, and we can look forward to more positive times. Kenny Payne, like you said, the perfect fit. Go cards. Let's do it. Get on the pain train. Other dad jokes. Other things that rhyme. Uh, until next time, Presley Meyer, Nick Connor. Go cards. Go cards.